This morning's scripture comes to us from the book of Romans. If you're following along in your Bibles, we're going to read Romans chapter 5, verses 18 to 21. It'll also be on the screens behind me for you to follow along. Uh, this is God's word for us, God's very words for us this morning. So let's receive this with thanksgiving. Romans 5, beginning in 18. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, Grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for your, for your word, for the wisdom contained therein. We ask, God, that you would meet with us now in this space and time so that we might hear from your word and our hearts would be prepared to, to receive its power. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, open our minds that would come to know and understand your, your word, open our hearts that we would feel its power. And by your grace, I ask, oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. While today is December 1st, uh, in, in my home, uh, the, the calendar seems to turn uh, much earlier, particularly uh, with the, 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 the viewership of a specific television station, the Hallmark Movie Channel. It begins somewhere at the beginning of November, and it continues on all the way uh, through Christmas. And, and the Hallmark Movie Channel, really, I don't know what it exists for for the other 10 months of the year. Does it even exist for those 10 months? Anyone? It, it does? Okay, well, that's really sad to me. Um, so uh, so, so it, it does exist, but, but for those two months... Uh, it, it is Christmas movie after Christmas movie. Let, let me let me add some adjectives. Cheesy Christmas movie after cheesy Christmas movie after. So, so here's the deal though about the the, the movies that I actually receive as benefit uh, and positive. They all are exactly the same. They're the same story told with different character. Is here here's the story. See, see, because I, I could walk in and out of the room, I could like go through the room, I, I know what's going on. There is a guy, he's exceedingly handsome, which makes all of the husbands insecure for two months of the year. And, and this exceedingly handsome fella uh, doesn't have the Christmas spirit. He's a little bit of a Scrooge. But the woman who's uh, also attractive, because that's what a Christmas story looks like, evidently, uh, does have the Christmas spirit, and through falling in love with her, he receives the Christmas spirit, and they both live happily ever after, the end. Is that, is that about right? Have you, yeah, okay, good. So, so here's, the, here's the problem that can happen with a Hallmark Christmas movie 
sort of a reality for us in this season. It's the same thing that happens with, with, with the way that Christmas is marketed and the way that Christmas is communicated and, and the way that, that, that we prepare and try to don our homes in this, in, in this picturesque sort of a framework. It, it's, it's even in, in Covenant's advertising where you have this like, it's snowing. And it doesn't snow in Texas Christmas, but that's what you want. And so we're trying to communicate what you want so that you will say, ah, the light, Covenant calls. Um, so the, the problem is this unrealistic caricature of Christmas will never satisfy. It will always, every time, fall short. It will snow in Texas, but it will not stick on the ground. There will be those around us that have this Scrooge-like uh, aura around them. And for some reason, they are not handsome or beautiful. And they do not change. Their hearts are still cold. There is something about this unrealistic picture that always disappoints. And yet, that is what actually distracts us from the realistic truth of the gospel that never, ever disappoints and always, every time, satisfies our needs. That's what we're going to be focused on in this season. What does it mean to be satisfied by the grace, love, and hope that we have in Jesus Christ and his coming into our lives? So I'm going to bless you this morning. I'm going to bless you by reading a, a portion of Luke chapter 2. I know it's early. It's the first Sunday of Advent. It's December the 1st. And some of you aren't ready for Luke chapter 2, but others of you are like, oh, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. Luke chapter 2, that's, what's, that, that's what Charlie Brown Christmas is all about. Yes, it is. Charlie Brown Christmas is all about Luke 2. And so we're going to, we're going to read just a, a, little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that scripture. Uh, so that we could be prepared to hear what it is that satisfies this Christmas. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This is the good news of the gospel that always, every time, satisfies. And it satisfies because, because the, the very nature of Jesus is, is articulated here in the angel's testimony. For unto you, all of you, is born this day a Savior. A Savior is born. But, but for a Savior to be born, we have to first know and understand that there is something that, that we need saving from. 
If we didn't need saving from anything, then there would be no need for a Savior, right? Come on. We are smart, intellectual people. We can work this out. If there is no need for a Savior, then why would one be provided? But there is a need for a Savior in you and in me and all of us, in all the world. It says that this is good news for everyone, and indeed it is because everyone needs saving. From what, you might ask, Pastor Jason, from what? Oh, thank you for the question. I'm glad you asked. Well, well, I would ask that back to you. From what? What do you need saving from? And, and, and many of you would maybe articulate the first word that comes from your mouth, saving from sin. And you would be correct. We do need saving from sin. But it's not just that. It's not just or only saving from sin. It's also saving from the penalty of sin. But because sin doesn't just exist in, in this, in this uh, outside of the bounds of reality sort of a world. No, sin exists in us, in me, and in you. Sin is very real and present in all of creation. And that sin requires a penalty. A just, righteous, natural penalty. And that penalty is death. And when we sit with that, when we sit with the reality of our sin and the just response that would be, just penalty that would be our death, it confronts us in powerful and potent ways. We need a Savior we need this good news because we are sinful and we know that our penalty is death. This, in fact, is, is, is a story as old as time. This, this is a story that has a beginning in, in, in the good book. If, if we have our Bibles, we're going to turn all the way back to Genesis because that's a good place to start, and it is the beginning of the story. And so when we see in Genesis chapter 3 this, this creation story, uh, we, 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 we hear what this looks like. God created all things. God, God created man and woman. God created uh, the animals and the, the sea and the sky and all things are created and all things are good and humankind is very good and God rests and, and here we have man and woman in the garden and they only have one rule, one law. Don't eat from that tree. And, and, and you, you know what the story looks like. Here it is in Genesis chapter 3. There's this serpent and... Uh, and the serpent comes to Eve first and, and, and tempts her. And here's, here's what the serpent says. For God knows that you will cer certainly not die if you eat of this, the serpent says to the woman. For, for God actually knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. And so that's the temptation. That's the frame that, that the serpent places on this offering. Hey, if, if you eat, you're gonna, you're, you could be like God. And, and that's something that from the very beginning of time, all humanity has struggled with. This desire to, to, 
to, to, to build ourselves up and create gods out of ourselves so that we are fully in control and, 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 and able to, to dictate to, to, to all, of the, all of those around us the circumstances by which we will live and have our being. And so we build ourselves up into gods. And we hear the, the way that, that the woman received it, that Eve received it. See, Eve actually received it as a desire for wisdom. She, she says, oh, Ooh, did you hear what the serpent said? The serpent said, I'll be wise. Oh, wisdom is good. But, but, but that's not what the serpent said. That's how she wanted to receive it. That was the way in which the serpent tempted her. The serpent actually created space for her to fulfill the deepest, darkest temptation that she had a desire for in her human heart, this desire to be God. And Adam had that as well, and they both sinned, and they both fell short of the glory of God. And then sin runs rampant throughout all of creation. All of humankind is wrapped and enveloped in sin. You see, when when Paul writes in Romans 3.23, a scripture that you've probably heard before, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul didn't just pull that out of the air. No, he, he studied the word of God. He studied Genesis. He knew that, that this was a part of the narrative of our lives, of the created order, that all of us, every one of us, from Adam and Eve on through the generations, sin and fall short of God's glory. It's a universal condition. But even with that condition, the, the penalty is articulated in Genesis chapter 6. And it's the first time that, 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 that God is confronted with this reality. You see, uh, Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel, then there's murder, and, and then it continues on, and you, you get to Noah, and we hear the beginning of the story of Noah, and we think that, that in, this, in this story of Noah, uh, we think of arcs, and we think uh, of, of two by two, and we think of butterflies and rainbows and, and, and birds, and it's all lovely. But, but we forget the reason for it all. You see, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on all the earth. And every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord even regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. And with them, the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. You see, this, this is the, the part of the, the, the Noah story that, 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 that we want to kind of glaze over, gloss over, and rush to the rainbow because the pots of gold at the bottom, right? So, so that's where we want to go, but, but we don't sit with the reality, the truth, that even in Genesis 6, that the, the, the sin had overwhelmed all of creation, was, was moving in all of humankind, and even in that space, there was a penalty that had to be paid for all of humankind. That penalty was death. And it was a just and righteous penalty that, that humankind experienced. 
And some of you might say, well, what about Noah? Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And that's right, Noah did find favor. Noah was pursuing God, was trying to walk with God. But even Noah, who was trying to walk with God, uh, fell into sin as well. We don't hear this part of the story in children's Sunday school. But the fact of the matter is that Noah was a fallen, broken human being just like everyone else in all of Scripture except for Jesus Christ the Lord. All of us who walk the earth today except for the one that walked 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ the Lord. All have sinned. See, Noah... Noah got stupid drunk, got naked, and walked around in front of his family and passed out. Do y'all remember that part of the Noah story? It's there. Go read it. Noah sinned and fell short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the penalty for sin for all of humankind is death. That's a painful truth to to wrestle with. We wish it wasn't so, but it is. We wish we could escape that reality, escape that truth, but we can't. But there is good news. There is hope on the other side. A few years ago, a friend of mine in the community and I had been, been praying for, for a mutual friend, uh, a gentleman who, who didn't know the Lord and, uh, and whose life was not surrendered to the Lord and not experienced his grace and was, just, and, and was walking in, in, in a, down a really dark path, and so he and I covenanted together to be praying for, for this friend, this mutual friend, and, and we were praying, and, and, and I'll be honest, we weren't seeing any effect, and it was, it was frustrating and crippling, and, and so I came to my friend that was praying with me, and, I, and I, I said, hey, we're praying, and we're not seeing anything take place. What, what do you think? Do you... Is there hope? And my friend said, well, maybe it's, it's like what had to happen with me. Maybe, maybe he has to hit like rock bottom, like the basement bottom of sin, that ugly, depraved, horrid state at the very bottom. Maybe he has to get there. That's what happened to me. Maybe he has to get there so that he can receive the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And that day, my prayer for this community, my prayer for you, my prayer for for all of those around me has changed. Now I pray that you don't have to hit rock bottom in order, the rock bottom of sin, in order for you to receive salvation. Because you don't have to. That's not the only way. You could be confronted by your sin without being immersed so deeply in sin that it destroys your entire life. And so my prayer is that your lives don't have to be destroyed by sin in order for you to be saved by grace. And I know what that looks like. I've seen it all around me. I've seen it in myself. This rock bottom of sin, I pray that you're, that you're able to escape. Uh, it might look like addiction. 
It might look like that day that, that you're confronted by how dark and how deep your addiction has bound you and how you're enslaved to it and how no matter how, no matter how many times you know what to do or you know what you should do, how the addiction seems to just has a, have a grasp on you and, and it's like, it's like a, a ball and chain that just sinks you down and you're drowning in your addiction and you have no control and no capacity to respond to anything good or holy or true. And it's in that space that you realize that that chain doesn't even exist with Jesus. I pray that you don't have to hit the rock bottom of addiction. I pray that you don't have to hit the rock bottom of anger. You know that anger? That, 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 that deep dark, wretched space of anger that dwells within that you don't know where it comes from and you don't know when it's coming, but you know that when it comes, you have absolutely no control at all and it just, just bubbles forth out of you and spews vitriol and hate and ugliness to all those around you and it causes damage and, and it damns those around you in such potent ways that it, that, that it rips away at the very uh, the, the, very, the very fabric of your relationships until uh, those relationships are torn and tattered and broken. I pray that you never have to hit the rock bottom of the sin of anger. I pray that you don't have to hit the rock bottom of the sin of idolatry. That you're not one day confronted with the truth that you have spent your whole life building yourself up into a God, a titan, so that everyone else must serve you and respond to your very needs. And that all you've ever cared about is yourself and you've never seen anyone else around you as worthy of your time or energy because they needed to be worthy of your time. And that you've built yourself into this, this, this image, this idol that is in constant conflict with God, that is opposed to God in every way because God calls you to serve. You, you just want others to serve you. And, and this, this idol that's built up within you and you, and you see this, this thing that you've become and you so hate that you spent your whole life pursuing this, this idol that you... I pray you never have to hit the rock bottom of idolatry. And many of you are sitting there thinking, I don't want to hit that either. Some of you are thinking, I'm there. I'm, I'm, I'm feet planted on the bottom. And I don't have any escape. If you want a different way, the good news is in the great inequality that the gospel of Jesus Christ presents us in Romans chapter 5. If you still have your Bibles, I want you to turn there because I want you to be able to, 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 to examine these inequalities. There are four inequalities. Y'all know what an inequality is, right? 
two things that are not equal. This is not Newton's third law of relativity, equal and opposite react, uh, actions and reactions. No, false. None of that's in the gospel. That's not the gospel. There's four. Each verse has its independent one. We're going to walk through them. And I want you to see the power of the gospel here presented for us in verse 18. It says, consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. If you see that so, I want you to circle it in your Bibles and turn it into a less than symbol because that is the inequality. On the one hand, there's one trespass. The fall of humankind in the garden. One trespass that created condemnation, penalty, death for all. But that is less than the result that one act of righteousness, Jesus Christ, the holy son of God, that acted righteously, offering his life for you and for me on the cross, was justification that brings life for all men. Do you see that inequality? There is no measure that holds that equal because one is nothing compared to the other. And one has eternal victory over the other. The second inequality is in verse 19. For just as the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners. Just through one man, sin existed in all of creation. So, circle that so, replace it with a less than. Also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, many, anyone who accepts him as Lord and Savior will be made righteous. Inequality. One man, sin. One man, righteous. And the righteous always has the victory. And then in verse 20, there's a parenthetical statement that just refers back to something earlier in chapter 5. I, it would be a whole sermon just to work through this one verse that refers to other verses. The law was, was added so that the trespass might increase, just parentheses that. And then this next part of verse 20 says this, but, but, that's what you circle. And you could actually insert it in between these two things. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. I want you to hear that. Some of you think you have this misconception that your sin is so heinous and so awful. And, and, and Pastor Jason, if you only knew, you might only be able to grasp that sin could barely eke up and rise to, to the level of my sin. False. No. Not in the gospel. Does not exist. Every time, all the time, grace is more than your sin. It is never less than your sin. It is never equal to your sin. It is always, always more than able to cover up your sin. It's the good news of the gospel. And then finally in verse 21, just as sin reigned in death, that the penalty was death, so, circle it, also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Death, eternal life. If that is what we desire, if that is the the desire of your heart today, and you think, how can, how can I participate in that holy mystery? How can, how can I receive that grace that is all the more than my sin? It's very simple. 
You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to, 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 to your mom or dad. You don't have to talk to your spouse. All you have to do is talk to the Lord God Almighty. Just in, 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 in the bowed knees of your spiritual hearts, all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. By the grace of Jesus, forgive me. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready to follow. For unto you is born this day in your hearts, Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. We celebrate your grace. We celebrate your goodness. And we ask, God, that you would profoundly confront us with the truth of our sin and the brokenness of our spirit, but the hope that there is in your son Jesus and the gift of grace that is, that is ours to, to receive. Lord, mold and shape the hearts of these your people so that they would be prepared to serve you with all they are and all they have. Lord, let us receive your grace by the power of your spirit through faith. Through faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, as we continue in worship and we enter into this time of offering, I ask that you would bless these gifts, the givers as well. All that takes place in this time, be to your glory, honor, and praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.